The Popstorian Podcast with Chris and Ben. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Greatest crash in the history of the New York Stock Exchange. And Mark a Mark date which will live in infamy. I'm repeating we're not in Kansas anymore. What are you supposed to do when you see the flash? Yeah. And cover. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That's one small step for man. One well, I'm not a crook. Might have gotten away with it, too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The evil of the river. Ah! I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. Great power comes great responsibility. Christopher. Ben. Jemmy. <laughs> Benjamin, as we say. Benjamin. <laughs> we are back for an 80s edition of our series Westerns by the Decade. Westerns by the Decade. Yes. And uh, last time we talked about uh, the 70s in our full-length episode series, uh, we talked about Clint Eastwood and High Plains Drifter. Yep. And that was, of course, a pretty dark, heavy film Uh, in some ways. Dark and heavy times. Yes. Um, But we took a, a different tack for this one. The 1980s. So we watched Silverado. Silverado. Starring Kevin Klein, uh, Glenn Glenn Scott, uh, Kevin Costner, and Danny Glover. Who I sometimes call Scott Glenn. (laughs) Is it Scott Glenn? A little bit of dyslexia creeping in. Is it Scott Glenn or Glenn Scott? I don't remember. Scott Glenn, you're right. Is it it Scott Glenn or is it Glenn Scott? It is Scott Glenn. Then you're right. (laughs) Wait. <laughs> I'm going to be listening to this editing and be like, what an idiot. <laughs> I'll just um, edit it so it's Glenn, Scott, Glenn, Scott, 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 Scott Glenn. Glenn. I'm still confused. No. It is Scott Glenn. It is Scott Glenn. I'm looking at the IMDb. Good. <laughs> I have it in my notes wrong. Okay. Kevin, Kevin Klein, Kevin Costner. And Danny Glover. Really role for him. And Danny Glover. It's, of course, uh, written and directed by Lawrence Casting. Yes, our good friend. Larry to his friends. You know, we call him Larry all the time. And it's, it's written by his, his brother as well, Mark Kasdan. Yes. Yeah. So there's a whole, like, Kasdan family tree now because, of course, his son became a writer and worked on Solo, amongst yeah. other things. And we were looking through the, the the credits of this film. There were several Kasdans in the yeah. in the minor roles. Yeah, so it's a film. whole... I think two of his sons are in this movie. I would not would not be surprised. In supporting young boy roles. So about Scott Glenn, I've only seen him in like three other films. I've seen him in something. He's he was actually but, a pretty uh, big star in the eighties. Yeah, he seems like he's been around. Yeah. But I can't quite picture uh can't quite name any of his credits off the top of my head. Should we um, attempt to do our uh our summary? Yes. Because this is going to be interesting. This is a it has four major stars in it, right? Uh, so it's going to be a, a interesting attempt to go through the whole. I'm, I'm pretty intimidated to 
to summarize it, but it opens with a gunfight scene it's with a, Glenn Scott. It's a, it's a great gunfight scene, actually. It's, it opens up very quiet. You don't hear uh-huh. anything. And he, apparently he's sleeping right. in this cabin. Uh-huh. And then gunshots ring out, and the whole the, there's holes coming through the roof and uh-huh. through the walls. Yeah, it's a great and, lighting effect from the DP. And he, he manages to get his gun, sometimes in rather spectacular ways, and uh-huh. shoots through the ceiling, gets one guy, goes through the door, the other... I guess there was three bad guys right. outside. Um, but he wins. He, yeah, he, he wins. They're all dead. He escapes. I, this is before we know anything. Yeah. This is just an opening, cold open. He, uh, you go through the door, like, in very searcher's style. So you'll notice in this movie a lot of reminiscence of older films and very yes. classic traditional westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but he comes through the doorway and the camera kind of follows him through. And there's a great scene of the valley underneath him. And then, in 80s fashion, Silverado rushes at you. Yes. Very 80s opening title sequence. Very epic score. I have to say, before we go any further... Who wrote the score? Uh, he would ask me that. Because <laughs> I actually didn't look that it's up. Not a, it's not one of the names that's commonly known. Um, so it's not like uh, John Williams or anything, who was no, really no. big at this time, um, obviously. I think it got some nominations for score. Or a nomination for sound, an Oscar nomination for sound. Okay. Um see here looking it up bruce broughton bruce broughton i'm not familiar with his work yeah he's not one that i'm i've been terribly familiar with either it says here he worked on lost in space from the 90s jag um i watched all of i watched both of those so some uh television productions it sounds like okay um the story it's continues um Apparently there's a close-up on the, uh, on the, the brand of the horse, right? He kind of notices yep. the brand he doesn't recognize. He doesn't know why these guys are after him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of continues on, and he runs into uh, Kevin Klein's character, who has been robbed himself or yeah, abandoned uh, in the desert with nothing. With nothing. Quite, he's, he's quite literally nothing. Walking around in his underwear. Yes, his long johns, as it were. Um, and he is very thirsty. Uh, um, uh, Scott Glenn's character. <laughs> I have to like We're look at. Get it wrong I have time. to look at my notes literally. Um, and he gives him he gives him water, and they share uh, go on war stories over a fire, and mm-hmm. they ride together uh, for a point into I don't know what the one town that they ride into. I don't remember the name of the town. Um, but uh, apparently, Kevin Klein's character recognizes one of his robbers. Yeah. One of the guys he <laughs> rode with who left him for dead. And runs into the local store uh, and, and trying to find a gun, uh, which he can buy with, like, what, $5 or whatever, yeah, whatever he had, he on, had him. on him, which is not obviously not much uh-huh. since he's still in his underwear at this point. He did manage to get a shot off, and that was all it took. And uh, in this, the one scene is rather comedic because the, the bad guy is running towards him on his horse and shoots a, a hole in his pajamas yeah. in a rather precarious place. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> there's a fair amount of comedy and energy in the scene. It's uh, it's played very well, and it, it serves to introduce a sort of uh, like, sort of villain of the piece, a guy named Cobb, who is played by Brian Dennehy. 
uh-huh. who used to ride with uh, Kevin Klein's character, uh, Payton. Payton. That his name? That's right, yeah. He used to ride with Payton and uh, uh, I guess was just passing by, saw this guy in need of a gun and loaned him some money for to buy the gun and the ammunition. I, I guess so. And then he kind of rides on. Yeah, he kind of he refuses to ride with Cobb because he doesn't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> we're not told what that we're not, is. We're not sure what that is. <laughs> Something um, nefarious from his past. Um, so definitely some backstory there to be discovered later. But he rides with, uh, with Scott Glenn's character into another town to pick up apparently his younger brother. Right. Uh, um, uh, Scott Glenn's. Or Emmett. Emmett. Emmett's younger brother. Emmett's younger Scott brother. Scott Glenn's. Co-star. Kevin uh, Costner. Yes. Plays the younger brother. He's landed himself in some trouble. He shot somebody in self-defense. But the uh, the local sheriff, played by, oddly enough, John Cleese. He did a great job. Who's amazing, actually. It totally works. You wouldn't necessarily think of John Cleese as a playing a, a western in a, uh, or playing a sheriff in a podunk town in the middle of a western but it, it totally fits it does uh but the sheriff in the town is kind of corrupt so they didn't they uh just throw him in jail even though he was acting in self-defense and uh and so they're planning to hang him trail bl- uh, uh not jail- at dawn but at 10 <laughs> <laughs> a jailbreak uh, is attempted a jailbreak ensues now i do want to point out kind of off topic here for a second this is the most hyper i've ever seen kevin costner play a role he is pretty this is him pretty young yeah i think, I think he only did a, maybe a few roles prior to this this is kind of his one of his breakout roles yeah and uh definitely before dances with wolves and yeah. uh, tin cup and long way before Durham and, and all of those yeah um and in all of those he plays a lot more of a serious role mm-hmm. and i guess that's kind of what carried him through the rest of his career yeah playing a bit a bit straighter than he yeah. does here yeah here he plays the the wild young buck what's his character's name i actually have forgotten um jake <laughs> jake jake that sounds right not terrifically memorable i think um, i was saying before we started recording the uh the story to this movie is not complicated but there are four leads and oh. a variety of sub- supporting characters like Cobb, who are uh, relatively well developed, and they all get their own, own backstory, backstory, and yeah. sequence of events. A lot of moving parts, I guess. So they break out of town. Uh, oh, we skipped over the introduction of our fourth lead, which also happens in the town before the jailbreak. Yes. So when you're right before you're introduced to John Cleese as the sheriff, you're introduced to Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, as Mal, who walks into, uh, I guess it's a saloon or mm-hmm. some sort of restaurant where he's wants basically two things, uh, one of which is a, a drink of whiskey, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which he does get. He does get mm-hmm. his drink of whiskey, but uh, apparently the the owner and everyone else in the town are offended that he stops in their town because he is African American. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out that this is the first film that we have watched in this series that actually has an African American starring role. That's true. Um, it could be the first African American who actually has a substantial role in any of these westerns that we've looked at. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. It, so as they're fleeing from the the sheriff, running out of town, Mal gives them cover fire, and uh, from the rocks, and enables them to make good their escape. So the four of them ride together, and it's very heroic. And they come across a wagon train. 
they do. <laughs> I forgot completely about the wagon train. <laughs> this, so there are like it, the first half of the film is really them going through a number of traditional Western Western uh, yeah. tropes here. So the, you have the jailbreak, you've got mm-hmm. the rescue a stranger, you've got the shootout of your you know, mm-hmm. save yourself, and you've got uh, the the wagon train that is. Uh, in serious need of help because before back in one of the towns you're introduced to these two characters who are supposed to lead the wagon train and they're uh, Kevin Costner and uh, Scott Glenn's character are, are mistaken for them and then they ride off oh and right find out that they are actually bandits and they rob the dry, the wagon train and ride off and they go and say we're going to save the wagon train and get yes. their money back yes from um, the nefarious ne'er-do-well that met them in town. And it's quite an ingenious plan that they hatch to, to save the money. They have to take a representative from the town uh, with him, and he dies in the attempt to recover the money. But it's okay, because Payton uh, has his eye on his wife anyway, so... Is it his wife, or is it just his girlfriend? I'm pretty sure it's his wife. It's wife, okay. So I'm pretty sure they're married. It's a very convenient yes. element to it. It's a convenient death. Um, so... But then, <laughs> to continue that romantic arc, he doesn't. Uh, he ends up not that's being a, attracted to that woman anyway. That's a confusing point because they get to the town, uh-huh. and she is like, "I'm pretty, but I want to do this uh, farming thing, and you're right. a gunfighter, so you're not going to want to hang around." And so Peyton, <laughs> he's says, like, "That's about right." It's like, "Sounds right to me." Goes See you to later. T- goes to town, <laughs> and he actually has a sit down with with uh, Emmett. And then he's like, you know, if you want to date her, go ahead. Uh-huh. He's like, what? <laughs> it's kind of off the wall. It's kind of like just like this random thing. He's like, I'm done with her. You know. So the town that they're all going to is the the titular Silverado. Yes. Which um, is... what state is it supposed to be in? No, I don't I forget. They I shot it in New Mexico. They do shoot it in New Mexico. It's supposed to be, I guess, I don't know, Utah, Colorado, or someplace. Because right. uh, Emmett and Jake are headed to California. And Cinematography is very pretty. Um, yeah, Emmett and Jake, uh, Scott Glenn and uh, Kevin, Costner. Kevin Costner are brothers, and they have a bunch of family in Silverado. Uh, Mal, uh, Danny Glover. Am I saying the right Glover? That is that is Danny Glover. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Danny Kevin Kline. The alliteration gets to me. Uh, he has family as well. He has a sister who works in town as a... Uh, prostitute slash dancer yeah uh and he has a mother and father who have a farm uh he arrives back in town to find the plantation burned out his mother killed and his father run off uh you probably wouldn't call it a plantation it's a ranch yeah, yeah. it's a very small farm um, that's been overrun by by the the, the cattle corrupt, the corrupt rancher in the area yes so yeah there's basically a long-standing feud between Emmett and Jake's family and uh, the family of the ranchers whose names, I, last name I can't remember. Yeah, I uh, Because Emmett killed one of the brothers, again, in self-defense. And ends up in prison for it. And, yeah, that's yeah, right. He went to prison for it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the crux of the thing, the, the feud between the two families. But there's also the subtext of that they're kind of uh, running off Mal's family 
because they want the land for uh, cattle grazing. Right. For their ranch. And uh, uh, there's also a bit of tension with uh, uh, Payton's character because he's a gambler and he wants to run the saloon. But he finds out that Cobb, his old uh, his old pal, uh, is now the sheriff, and he's running the town in kind of a crooked fashion, right? As so, well as the saloon. So now all of our main characters' lives have become intertwined in this town, and as well as the villains, the crooked sheriff and the rancher are intertwined <laughs> as well. And so it sets it up. For a showdown in the very end. Yes, so we're moving towards the showdown. A lot of things happen. Uh, Cobb offers Payton the job of running the saloon. Which he does take. And offers him, uh, introduces Linda Hunt's supporting character, who's one of my favorite supporting characters in this film. She's great. Who's a scene stealer. I've not seen her in a lot of other films. I think she had just won the Academy Award for something right before this, but I could be wrong about that. Um... But yeah, she's fantastic. She plays a uh, vertically challenged woman who uh, has fought hard and made her way in the world, and she kind of charms Peyton, and they form a friendship that's quite charming, I think. And yeah. then Brian Dennehy sidles over, and, and it's kind of like, well, you could take her job, too, if you want to, and do both their jobs, and basically suggesting that he could <laughs> do away, away with, with this her. woman. Yeah. And it, it becomes clear that he's... a uh, Brian Dennehy's character in this film is, uh, I have to say, stole the movie for me. I really yeah. enjoyed seeing him. I hadn't seen a ton of his work before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's just recently. He's quite a quite a good actor. In the '80s, he does a lot of these kind yeah, of. Yeah, and he's he's just he's fantastic. He's he's just the right kind of like smug but casual. He's kind of like if you've ever been in a small town and seen a, a good old boy. Like there's something that you like about them, even though they're 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 charming and they're hospitable and friendly, but they're also kind of nefarious and there's backroom dealings that you don't want to know about. Uh, he he captures that. Uh, there, he he captures that ethos perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometime here, uh, Jake is captured. Jake gets captured. Several members of the family get killed. Or well, injured. They're very seriously injured. I don't think they actually die. No one dies? Uh, the dad is, is kind of seriously injured, but I think he does pull through. Okay. I think in the end, this is all a very happy ending. Is he the sister's husband? Yes. Or their brother? Sister's husband. Okay. So she's their sister. Yeah. And then they have, okay. the, then they have the one child, which is the nephew. Right. <laughs> who is also captured by, this, by the bad guys. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, okay. And that's kind of where... Where a Emmett, who is ambushed as gets well ambushed. this time, um, and is found by Mal, whose father is killed in yes, this point. Mal's father dies. So there's a lot of little things going on kind of setting up this the final mm-hmm. showdown that you know is coming in yep. the end. And just because things weren't quite complicated enough, Mal's sister in town is kind of taken up with a gambler named Slick. Who is played by the great Jeff Goldblum. The legendary Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> My favorite part of the film. He's he seems very. It's strange because in a, a western with John Cleese in it, you wouldn't think. You would think that John Cleese would be the most out of place person. He's not. He's not. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff is. Goldblum takes that prize. He definitely doesn't seem at ease in the cowboy world. And you would think, with so many strange castings, that this would not be a great film. But it is a fun film. It works really well. 
does. Um, despite his his kind of discomfiture, it kind of plays into his fish out of water status in the town. So I think Jeff Goldblum does fish out of water very well <laughs> in everything. Um, this is the second film he had. He puts on a cowboy outfit on. I what was the it. first? <laughs> um, what was the movie we need to watch? Finish. Buckaroo Banzai? Buckaroo Banzai. Was Buckaroo Banzai the, before this? I think so. I think Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, you're right. It is. And the eighth, is the eighth dimension? Seventh dimension? The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Across the eighth dimension. I think is how it goes. And Jeff Goldblum's in that film as well, in a cowboy <laughs> outfit. A uh, little backstory, listeners. When we first started this podcast, we were going to do commentaries, which I guess we might we, I guess go back and we do. We tried of, to do one for this. We've kind of done it similar We've kind of done that with the with the whole telling the story of what the Russian's about, and then kind of yeah. Going but we were going to do like live commentary with the movie yeah. in the background, and, and we tried to do that with Buckaroo Banzai, and is and we got interrupted and never have gotten back to it. So we'll have to do that we have one to day. Do that one. Um, but yeah, so Slick is here. He's kind of uh, shady. He's uh, he's it's not quite sure, clear what side he's on. Right. Uh, the sister trusts him, and she's kind of mad at her brother for not being there when her parents were killed. So there's some tension there. Mal, being a man of honor, though, does find Emmett and rescues him mm-hmm. from the showdown and brings him to his hideout. And he does. Him. Conveniently, he's there at the, the right time. There's a, there's quite a They're few about to, to put an end to him. a few of those conveniences there. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We've already pointed out a couple of them. Like... Coming across Even though he was sleeping when his daddy got killed, <laughs> that's that was that's a sad. Don't make fun. It's sad. It's it sad. was that sad scene. It is a very sad scene. Um, probably the saddest scene in the film. This really doesn't have a lot of emotional, as far as sadness goes, in a lot of emotional tension. No, yeah. it's very much an adventure, very uh, yeah. action packed, which with a lot of character development, which is kind of an unusual pairing. It has, well, it has a lot of characters in it, anyway. So, <laughs> but pushing forward, there are actually two climatic gunfights because Jake and the boy are being captured. Emmett forces himself to rise from his sick bed, mm-hmm. um, and Mal, who has been in jailed at this point because he's betrayed by Slick. Oh yes, plot twist. He is actually a bad guy in all of this. Um, who would have thought Jeff Goldblum? Um, actually, he doesn't play a lot of bad guys. I guess not. He really doesn't. He does in Thor, more that, recently. That's another very ambiguous character, though. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, so Mal is actually rescued by his sister, uh-huh. who is shot but rescued by Linda Hunt's character and stowed away <laughs> into a secret area. Um, where Slick finds her during the gunfight, but that's a little bit later on down the road. Right. Trust um, me, when you're watching it, it makes sense. It makes <laughs> It's a confusing story to kind of try to summarize, summarize here. Um, There's so many threads. But anyway, Emmett's on his way to find Jake and his nephew. Mal escapes from jail and meets up with Emmett. And Kevin Klein, who realizes that he can't take any more prodding from Dennehy's character, mm-hmm. uh, Cobb, Joins them to rescue their brother Jake or Emmett's brother Jake. Right. So they ride out to the ranch, and they cause a stampede. There's a big gunfight. Jake, who is actually not 
Capture does escape <laughs> by apparently falling off his horse, which he's a trick rider, so Emmett realizes that he couldn't have been killed in the accident. Does show up. <laughs> Lot, oh, yeah. He was killed at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I forgot that he was supposed to be dead. They're like, they were Jake, like Jake's, Jake's dead. Jake's dead. We're like, no, he's not. But Emmett is like, how did he die? He's like, he fell off his horse. And he's like, Jake fell off his horse? Right. And he's like, okay. And kind Something's of up. Something's up with that. But anyway, they're all safe and sound. They do a, a number on the ranch. The main bad guy escapes, goes to town, tells Cobb what's going on, and they set up an ambush in town. Who plays that guy, by the way? I'm going to look the, that up The rancher? Quick. Yeah, he's a um, good character actor who delivers a nice performance in this. I've not, I can't remember I don't remember name. seeing him. In, maybe it's the beard. You continue with your su- summary. I'll look him up. So they, they go to town, and the sheriff, Cobb, and his deputies, including... Who is that other guy? He's just like... He always sneers, and he's always wanting to kill one or the other. Chief Henchman. Chief Henchman. Oh, he has some history with uh, Payton with, with also. Payton, but he's also a young gun, so he wants to kill uh, Kevin Costner's character, Jake, right. as well. He just wants to kill them all. He's very grumpy. He really he's, he is. Um, very sneering. So anyway, after... I guess each one of them has their own individual gunfights, because Mal will find his sister. Is it Dawson? Dawson sounds right. Dawson, I think, is the uh, is the, the gun... rancher. Is the rancher? Is Dawson the rancher or the gunfighter? I think Dawson's the um, the gunfighter. You can see we really paid attention to this movie. <laughs> well, there's in our defense, there's so many characters. There were a lot of characters. To be fair, it's true. I think it's Kelly is the rancher. Okay. Am I wrong? I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. I'm so lost in these names. Like, from the start, I messed up the, the, the starring character's name. Glenn Scott. So, you know what? I'm done with names. Anyway, Mal finds his sister. Slick is there. Uh, he kind of tries to play it off. But actually, Slick betrayed Mal. So they fight. And after Slick pulls a Derringer, Mal kills him. Actually, rather brutally, if I recall correctly. It's like a knife. Or is his sister kills him no Mal kills him yeah Mal throws the knife that he pulls out of his sister oh that's that's right that's right that's a really quite a tangled web we weave because we mentioned how hard it is to actually throw a knife into his sternum and it actually like sticks there quite deeply yeah yeah I think we were talking about that while we were watching it yeah McKendrick is the rancher's name McKendrick is the rancher Anyway, my fault. So there's there's that Ray Baker is the actor who plays McKendrick. I'm I'm not familiar with him. He's a character actor with over 100 credits. Wow, I've probably seen him in other things. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's the one showdown. Jake goes into the the saloon and brings two of the deputies in with him, or they track him into it, and then he doubles back on them, and they're. And separate, going down separate alleyways, and Jake kind of backs up, pulls out two guns, and shoots them both. <laughs> he actually he whistles, so he doesn't shoot them in the back. He's just like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah. something like that. And, yeah. then, and then they turn around. They have a chance to draw, but they're no match for Jake. Because he, he pulls both his guns at the same time. It's very much a um, Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of moment, <laughs> <laughs> which you can see the, the lineage there. Um, and then... Payton and Emmett both have their uh, 
their one-on-ones because Emmett has to face down McKendrick. And then, of course, at the very end, Peyton faces down Cobb in this really kind of high noonish showdown. It's kind of the classic Western showdown in the street. I think there's actually a tumbleweed that goes past. I think you're right. Yeah. There's a, a lot of, quite a few throwbacks Emily and I there. always point that out when we're watching a movie. <laughs> there's a tumbleweed. Like tumbleweed. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. He, they, they all get their guys... Yeah, um, it pretty and much ends happily, I think. Emmett and Jake run off to California. Yeah, um, leaving Mal, behind uh, his lady, I guess. I, Mal takes his sister, and they head back. I don't think they. I don't think they Do stay. They head back east. I think they head back east. That's what I think too. Um, and then Peyton becomes sheriff, of course. And uh, I think Linda Hunt keeps the the saloon, mm-hmm. and apparently our wagon train lady. Uh, meets up with Peyton again, and they look like they're a couple. I don't know. But I, I yeah. guess because Peyton is sheriff, he has roots now, and so it's kind of okay. <laughs> it's like it's she kind of have, a strange dynamic. She there. can have her farm, and, and he can have his shootouts. So uh, that's how they kind of <laughs> end with the with Peyton showing the sheriff star. It's called making it work. On his chest. Making your relationship work, ladies and gentlemen. Take your cues from Silverado. So, yeah. It does. It ends happily all the way around, for the mm-hmm. good guys. To no one's surprise, really. Yeah, and that's and that's from beginning to end. That's kind of what, what uh, you kind of expect from the film is that it's a traditional western. Yeah. Deal. So this is the kind of western that I figured would be more common in the '80s, since there's kind of a trend after Star Wars, and uh, uh, a few other movies like that that were more optimistic in tone. Right. Like Et. Like E.T. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Which, as you pointed out earlier, Kasdan helps Right. Kasdan wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So he has some blockbuster pedigree in the, yeah, in in the, the writing department. So so there's kind of a, a more hopeful turn, but there's actually not that many films like Silverado. Not um, in the Western genre, the at 80s. least. Yeah. There's not too many Westerns that try to capitalize on, which you'd think... I mean, Indiana Jones could be a Western. It does have those elements to it. And, of course, Star Wars has those yeah, elements to it. Yeah, Star Wars takes a lot of that. Um, some of the other 80s Westerns, I think probably the biggest Western of the 1980s was Lonesome Dove. Right, which that is a television 80, Western. 89, the miniseries on TV. Yeah, so a bit of a different uh, different. different out format. Yeah. And I guess the it, it works well for the audience of... Uh, Lonesome Dove works well for the, the older traditional audience for westerns which grew up watching westerns yeah. but now they uh they're not as likely to go out to the cinema they're more likely to stay home I feel Sil- like silverado is kind of in that same camp to a degree not necessarily yeah. in the, tr- the dramatic sense but much more in the action sense sure there's a lot more that, uh just kind of shoot em up type thing. it does have kind of a republic pictures energy yeah to it um another 80s west young guns about mm-hmm. the was it, was it the jesse james Group, I think or, so. Uh, I actually have not seen that one, but I haven't either. It's kind of the uh, the Brat Pack vehicle, right. Emilio Estevez. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think you have uh, Three Amigos in the eighties, don't you? Or was that in the? It's late I think 70s? early nineties. Oh, okay. I think that's Three Amigos, early nineties. Way off then. Um. 
there's not really not a lot of westerns out there. I mean, yeah, we've talked about the Legend of the Lone Ranger before, which didn't right. do any business. That's in the um, '80s. Um, so yeah, it kind of became in the '80s. The western kind of takes a, a step back to other emerging genres. Yeah, in a way. So it's a uh, it's a bit sad, but I think it uh, I think it needed that pause to reinvent itself. I wish there had they had made more movies like this that were more action adventure oriented which is a big, in the western setting. It's a big theme in the 80s for different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm thinking of one it's like what is it called Preacher in the ha- Preacher in Haze or something like that. It's a it's a pirate uh, movie actually. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking uh, about. It's a Tommy Lee Jones film. But that's uh, kind of that called? same same run of of Star Wars and Indiana Jones adventures uh-huh. style. But it's a pirate film. But it's a pirate film. Hmm. And you don't see a lot of those either. No, no. Pirate films aren't really big at that time. Yeah. Or really until... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, even was it Cutthroat Island was in the 90s, I guess. You had like Cutthroat Island and you had Hook. Right. Which has some piracy in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's also uh, the 90s. Yeah, also in the 90s. But not much in the 80s in that department. So. Well, shall we talk about the 80s? Let's talk about the 80s. So the 1980s starts off politically with Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter had some pretty rough times. uh, He did. Coming in after Gerald Ford, who was still, it was kind of tainted by Nixon's Mm -hmm. uh, Watergate scandal. Um, He's also, I mean, there's a, what's called stacking inflation, which we talked about from the 1970s. Yep. That's kind of sticking around to the early 80s. And so he's beaten pretty handily by Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is this smiling face. He used to be on television. He used to be in movies. Yeah, he, so he actually, that's an interesting thing for us as a pop culture slash yeah. history podcast is that he's a crossover. Yeah. He's a historical figure and a pop culture figure. He used to be, uh, he, he was in a Western called They Die With Their Boots On. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what character he played. He was supposed to be some historical figure. Um, but he he's typically... History books that I've read relegate him to like the B, yeah, the B level uh, movie stars. But he's he's actually gotten into politics in the fifties. He's mm-hmm. friends with John Wayne. Yeah, um, he's head of the uh, I think the Actors Guild. Yep, president. Uh, yeah, Screen Actors Guild. And uh, quite a political job. Oh, that's why he cuts his. But teeth kind of a yeah. kind of a left wing political job. Head of a union. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think even before that, he might have been, even been a Democrat. Uh, he quips one time when he's president, and he's like, uh, somebody asked him about his past, and he's like, well, <laughs> oh, I wish I could remember the quote. Oh, he's like, he's very quippy. That he, is, he is very quippy. He's, he's like, well, I, used to, I blame myself. I used to be a Democrat or something like that. Right. <laughs> um, and he became, gov- he became governor of California in, the, uh-huh. I think, the 1970s. And then becomes president in yeah. uh, in eighty one. He will be sworn in. Yeah, and he's he is the eighties basically. He's eighty one yeah. to eighty nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot going on there. Um, I mean, we'll kind of come back to that. Yeah. Um, he, there's it's interesting. A movie that opened against Silverado, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, I think prevented it from becoming a more of a blockbuster because Back to the Future was. In cinemas at the same time, right? Um, but there's a lot of jokes in that about because, uh, of course, they travel from the 80s to the 50s, mm-hmm. traveling through time in that movie, and uh, uh, 
he comes back and says, who's president in 1985? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, the actor. <laughs> who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of vice presidents, uh, George H.W. Bush becomes president in 89, which, yes. of course, was his VP. Um, and he's he will finish up the 80s. Um, but major events, things that I, I took as politics is very much the new conservative. Reagan will kind of win under a new, under kind of a new coalition. So calling them conservatives. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you'll have people who used to consider themselves Democrats but are really more conservatives on, on social issues. Sure. Um, physical issues. Uh, you'll have what is called the, the moral majority coming into play with Jerry Falwell. Um, right. How does that kind of spring up? Is that in the early 80s? Or later on? I want to say it's late 70s because Liberty University is 71. Right. So he starts off, I think, in the 70s and goes into the 80s. Televangelism becomes very big in the 80s. Yeah. With, uh, Guys like Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger. Uh-huh. Or, is it Jim Baker? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're very popular in the 80s. Um, of course, eventually they'll come out to some sin and uh, some other activities going on. Yeah, so, some slightly nefarious things in the televangelist community. So, But there's kind of this pop culture swing, in a way, because you have... The baby boomers, of course, are this massive generation, mm-hmm. and as they're growing up, there's kind of a, a an increase in freedoms in the arts. They kind of tend to be more tolerant of uh, yeah. liberalism in the arts and uh, in pop culture. But then in the '80s, we see. So, what happened? Did the baby boomers like become more conservative? I think. Uh, I think people or political operatives kind of realized what they could do. By picking out a, a an issue like abortion, which of course is right. a major issue for the the moral majority or the moral right, mm-hmm. and they say, well, we can campaign on this. So if you're right. pro uh, pro life, then we can get you elected by having everybody vote for you on this on this issue. Right. Uh, so that that comes into play here, and we kind of see that a little bit more uh, as in the '90s and in, of course the 21st century. But that's starting to rise up in during this time here as well. These these certain hot button issues. Yeah. So abortion, um, busing in schools is an issue, drugs, AIDS. AIDS has actually become a huge issue. Um, right. The Cold War is still a big issue at this time. And, uh, mm-hmm. The Cold Warriors are still kind of come to the right uh, and are under the Republican banner under Reagan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reagan is a pretty hardcore Cold Warrior. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and of course the Cold War ends... Uh, in the early 90s, I think it officially ends. Um, but With the fall of the Berlin Wall? With the, with the Berlin Wall. Um, is it called Glasnost and uh, Poryoka? Poryoka? My Russian is terrible. But basically, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev comes to power, and he's much more of a liberal uh, figure yeah. in Russia at the time. And he's like, the only way our country's going to survive is if we introduce a little bit of democracy. So he uh-huh. does uh, he does introduce a little bit, which I think is the, uh, the glossnost part of it. And right. then he, he's opening up uh, communication with the West and with Japan, trying to get the technology and, and funds back into the system. Now, does he come to power in the 80s? Yes. So I forget the, t- the timeline here. It's like 80... Three or eighty-four, and Androff, Androff, Androff. I think it's in. Uh, I forget is his name. Khrushchev? No, 
Khrushchev's gone. Khrushchev before that. is after Stalin, right? Immediately after Stalin? I, I it's a bit so. rusty on my USSR. I know, right? I think Khrushchev does come in. He's definitely in the 50s and 60s. Okay. And then uh, Andropov, Andropov, I think, is the early 80s, uh-huh. followed by Chichenko, who's yes. there for like one year. Okay. And then uh, Mikhail Gorbachev comes on gotcha. to play. And Who presides over Chernobyl? He's there during Chernobyl, when Chernobyl comes down. Gorbachev is? I think Gorbachev. Okay. When does Chernobyl happen? 87? 87. Yeah, that's Gorbachev. Gotcha. Um, so Gorbachev is there. And actually, up to the point of Gorbachev coming to power, Reagan had refused to visit with any Soviet leadership. Hmm. Um, and it's, he meets Gorbachev, I want to say in in 86 but I could be my timeline could be wrong on that but he meets Gorbachev for the first time and they're not not on the friendliest of bases and then apparently this is in Geneva and apparently the last night as the story goes uh, they find out that the Gorbachevs are like big movie buffs and so Reagan being this former movie star starts telling about the old Hollywood and like all these right. stories and so they kind of a small friendship develops. by the end of their leadership 10 years they'll actually be pretty good friends uh, as far as that goes yeah Interesting. Yeah. Um, computers, cable TV, some other big things going on here. Yeah. Uh, cable TV, CNN comes up. Right. Which um, people thought was a crazy idea. Yeah. Like weather channels, sports channels. What? Who's going to watch 24 hours of that? News. Because I think in the uh, in the early days, the ch- TV channels would just switch off at the end of the, the night. Yeah. Or yeah. around, you know. 10 so, or 11 p.m. So Ted Turner introduces CNN with a 24-hour news cycle, mm-hmm. which is a big deal now. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they didn't, I don't think they realized how much that was going to change the way we did politics, the way we did life. Yeah. Um, MTV comes up, yep. which changes the way we do uh, pop culture. First song, Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. I did not know that. That's the first song that they played on MTV. So. Um, so this is some big issues that's going on during the 80s. Let me give you some highlights from each year here, which is kind of... Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. This gets kind of monotonous, but uh, it's some interesting stuff here. Mount St. Helens erupts in Washington State in 1980. Ah. Uh, John Lennon is shot and dies in 1980. Sorry, I thought for a second you said John Legend. I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he went back in time and then came forward. No, John Lennon. Yeah. Um, so 1980s. Very strange, mysterious yeah. case there. Um, popular video arcade game Pac-Man is released. Ah. So this is 1980. I want you to keep that in your mind. Okay. Both you and Cabinet here. video game Pac-Man. Pac-Man is written. 19... What year? 1980. 80. 80. Ronald Reagan, elected president, of course. The United States boycott of the 1980 Olympics in Moscow. So this is this is where the Cold War has come. Right. So Now, would this be Reagan's decision then? To boycott? Um, or Reagan... Is it out of his hands? I don't think it was really in his hands to do that. Uh-huh. I don't remember the whole story. Or would it have been Jimmy Carter? Depending on when they... I don't remember the timeline. When he's put into office. I want to say it's more Jimmy Carter's administration. Right. But this is... I'm not... Because he just gets sworn in at this time. I'm not sure right, who yeah. had more say in that. But they do get boycotted. Very much a transitional um, time. First transmission by CNN. We just talked about CNN mm-hmm. news. Uh, who announces the eradication of small parts? Excuse me, WHO. Who? 
the VHO. Yes. Uh, is the Who we've been hearing about in the news recently. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently smallpox is eradicated in 1980. Wow. Good job, team. Yeah. 1981, the AIDS virus is identified. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you, you know, you lose one and you so One step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, by scientists in 1985, the first AIDS-themed movie would be released. Uh, that was fast. So in, in four years... Usually Hollywood's pretty slow to pick up on the old well, this trends. Is, this is actually a TV movie, so I'm not sure how much Hollywood oh, more. Yes. might be New York, because it's NBC. Yes. Who, who I feel like that. I've heard of this film. Uh, early Frost is what it, an early frost is what it's called. Yeah. Also going on 1981. Well, that was 85. The movie came out. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of showing you. Yeah, connecting by topic. Connecting there. But 1981, Lady Diana Spencer and Charles the Prince of Wales are married. It's a pretty big deal at the time. Um, on paper, it may look like a power couple. Right. But they don't really. They don't really mesh very <laughs> they don't well. Function that way. Uh, 1981. Also, cable network will have MTV. Mm-hmm. So you have now CNN and MTV. Yep. Uh, the AIDS epidemic officially begins when U.S. Centers for Disease Control reports an pneumonia affecting five homosexual men in Los Angeles. Uh, so this is kind of the AIDS epidemic starts in '81, right? And it will be a major issue in in media and politics uh, for the rest of the decade yeah. here. Now, in the '70s, you had a lot of uh, efforts to promote gay rights. And, uh, That's that even goes back as far as the 1950s, uh, yeah. 70s. It just it hits the mainstream really. Yeah, and uh, then uh, but in the 80s you have the the AIDS kind of epidemic. So in the 80s, a couple of things are happening. You have the new conservative, which of course homosexuality is not on the moral rights uh, radar as anything good. Right. So you have that going on, and then you have the AIDS epidemic pop up, mm-hmm. and then it's suddenly the AIDS pop AIDS epidemic is. Supposedly restricted to the homosexual community, right. which of course is it's not. It will it translate to, to heterosexual. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, this is a political issue on that front. Is this God's judgment on the United States and mm-hmm. on that community? So very much weaponized the the illness yeah. for political purposes. Yeah, um, which I guess I would push back the 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 push for a cure in certain certain that at least hold up some monies yeah um but i haven't read a whole lot on certainly that. create yeah. stereotypes about gay people and the risk of aids yeah yeah definitely in the 1980s um see worse world's first today in history program <laughs> is uh it's editable uh so first time someone says this happened today i have put that in there because I'm using that program. What do you mean this happened? Like when you we say this happened in 1981 uh-huh. <laughs> on this date in like uh-huh. May, what's today? May 13th. Uh-huh. Uh, back in history. That's the first time someone put together. Someone put it together the first time I a program for that. <laughs> or oh. this, uh, in 1981. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Good job, historian. Good job. Sandra Day O'Connor is nominated as the first female Supreme Court Justice for President Ronald Reagan. Um, IBM introduces its first personal computer, the uh, PC-DOS version 1.0. What, what year is this? This is 81. 81? Yeah, that's happening in 81. So early. Um, Bob Marley receives a Jamaican state funeral. So this, um, we've R.I.P. Lost, we've lost uh, John Lennon and uh, Bob Marley, Bob Marley close by together. this time. Um, in 82, the computer is named Time Magazine's Man of the Year. <laughs> um, actually, let me bring up let me bring up something else. This is a, a direct quote from the uh, 
the book I was reading and doing some research for this uh, is called Quest for Identity um, by Randall Bennett Woods, historian. Um, Many Americans who were not parked in front of the television screen spent hours per day in front of another small box, the computer monitor. Hmm. Children could play games or do their homework on their personal computer. Uh, housewives could keep family accounts on them. Small businesses could store records on them. Public schools and colleges could instruct through them. And writers and artists could perform their craft on them. Computer addicts spent their social time in cyberspace, uh, cyberspace making friends, exploring hobbies, or by 1990, shopping. In 1981, 2 million Americans owned PCs. By 1988, that figure stood at 45 million. Uh, wow. Critics, I know, I know it's... So does the internet as we know it, or <laughs> as so, close to it as we know it? Because it, I think it begins in like 69 with the government. So um, I actually have that in, in my list here. It's a little further down gotcha. here. We'll get to so, it when we get to it then. So 1982, uh, Disney World opens Epcot. Uh, which actually, uh, do you know what EPCOT stands for? I don't. It stands for Experimental Community of Tomorrow. Where's the P? Uh, I think that's just the experimental part oh, of things. Yeah, right. <laughs> or you Usually call people it, would go with the e X, but okay. ECOT or XCOT. X, X, X-POT? Um, yeah. Japan <laughs> begins selling the first <laughs> CD players. So technology and music there. Right, yeah. Late rock and roll star Elvis Presley, home Graceland, is open to the public as an attraction. So Graceland will become a museum, more or less, in 82. Which continues to this day. The Michael Jackson album Thriller is released in 1982. Yes. And for those who are listening to us, listen for the Thriller on our opening. Yes, we have a bit of a Thriller reference in our opening credits. Our opening there. In 1983, Sally Ride becomes the first American woman in space. Yes, she does. Motorola introduces the first mobile phone in the United States in 1983. Uh, <laughs> you think of those things being much later. Yeah. The personal this computer. Is, of course, and this the... is the brick that yeah. we're talking about in 83. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about personal computers. We're talking about uh, cell phones now. CDs. CDs. Microsoft releases Word, their word processing program. Yes, our old friend. That is what I made this list on, by the way. Good job. The Swiss company, Swatch, introduces their watches, and they become a fashion craze. <laughs> Swatches. Yeah, Swatches. That's, that can't be right. Anyway. That's the Swiss company. That can't be right. Swatch? Swiss watch. Swiss Swatch. Oh. Okay. It's on my list, so it can't be wrong, right? <laughs> Final TV episode of MASH airs. Oh, uh, sad day. A record of 125 million are watching the U.S. So, 1983 television is, yeah. is of a big deal. That was kind so. of a... Uh, as, as TV became more serialized and less episodic, there's kind of a tendency to to build up towards season finales yeah. for shows. But MASH really wasn't a... It was more episodic. Yeah, in it was. Nature too, so. That's true. It just had a huge following. It was on for, what, 12 years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Long time. Because the movie comes out in 70. Yeah. Three I think times started longer the TV than, show shortly than the Korean War, okay. I think. Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, the Soviet Union boycotts the 1984 Olympics. This is in Los Angeles. <laughs> so in 80, Come on, guys. we don't go to Moscow. In 84, they don't go to, Los, uh, to L.A. Man, oh, man. 
China and the United Kingdom agree that the UK will transfer power over to Hong Kong back to China in the future. And of course, that uh, transfer will occur in 1997. Still seeing fallout from that. Yeah. In Hong uh, Kong. Just recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. MTV begins the Video Music Awards, or VMAs. Mm-hmm. Apple Computer Inc. unveils its revolutionary Macintosh personal computer. That's an 84. <laughs> A triumph of marketing there. Uh, Supreme Court rules 5 to 4 that private use of home VCRs to tape TV programs for later viewing does not violate federal copyright laws. Thank you, guys. Appreciate uh, you. <laughs> so I, I definitely took note of that. I was like, that is an interesting case because you imagine yeah. not having uh, any kind of recording ability. Even, yeah. Like today, it's all digital, right? Right. But you can still record stuff. Yeah. Because each... like Well, because there's precedent with the VCR. Yeah. So imagine the, a future... 20, imagine a future that you couldn't record your favorite shows and... and uh, yeah. It's fascinating that... All at the same time. Uh, it's fascinating that that made it all the all the way to the Supreme Court, yeah. and it was that big of a deal. If I remember rightly, I think one of the Supreme Court justices said in the proceedings that he was taping his own favorite programs. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised. MASH, of course, happened the year right. before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 1985, the iconic Route 66 is removed from the highway system in the United States. Mm-hmm. In what many consider one of the worst marketing moves ever... Coca-Cola introduces new Coke. Oh, no. That's 1985. Um, Bad move, guys. Didn't didn't, uh, your friend Thomas make a film about new Coke? Yes, uh, sort of related to new Coke. So he did a film about uh, OK Soda. You can find on his channel, Thomas Flight. Um, Just search OK Soda, Thomas Flight. And he talks some about new Coke and why uh, different sodas brands work and why different ones don't. So... Check it out. That's very interesting. The first version of Microsoft Windows is released. So Word existed before Windows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Legendary basketball player Michael Jordan is named NBA's Rookie of the Year in 1985. Wow. The wreck of the Titanic was discovered that same year. (laughs) Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev uh, become leader of the Soviet Union, meet for the first time in 1985. So I was mistaken. Wow, 85. Uh, they, were, they were met in 85. So that's the year that our movie comes out. It is. That same year. Gotcha. 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear reactor explodes. Well, I was off. I think I said 87 earlier. I think we're all, <laughs> our timeline was off like by a, <laughs> by a year. Um, so 86, uh, that happens. The space shuttle Challenger will, a disaster takes place. So mm-hmm. we have our own, own setback in our technology. So that, that kills everyone on board. Um, the U.S. federal health officials announced AZT, which will be available to AIDS patients, which is a medication uh, for the disease, and that's in '86. And uh, they they first identify that as an epidemic. I think you said '81. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Health Organization announces first global effort to combat AIDS in '86. So you can see it's kind of late coming in. Yeah, it's kind of slow. Yeah, I mean. By the standards of developing a drug, it's relatively fast. But in terms of government response, it's pretty slow. It seems kind of slow. Iran-Contra affair erupts. President Reagan reveals secret arms deal. Oh. Um, now, I actually looked up the uh, the news clip where he addresses the nation. And he, in this news clip, this is after four investigations, he said, I promise not to, I, I told you that I wasn't going to say anything until after the investigations are over. And uh, it's it's an interesting clip where he actually says the buck stops here 
and uh, he apologizes for not being well informed or something of that nature. It's a very interesting, it's an interesting clip if you're if you're interested in in Reagan history or eighties yeah. history. Check it out; it's on YouTube. He was very much regarded as a great communicator. Yes. In general. Yes, indeed. But it sounds like this was more of a, a fumble. Um, he ended up firing all those guys that were in the CIA, or head of the CIA, and his uh, uh, whoever was, I forget who else was in, involved with that. North was involved, and a lot of other guys. Right. Um, and he ends up firing all of them after the investigations are all cleared. Pretty rough. Yeah. But he becomes as popular as ever, and I think partially because of that uh, that statement he makes. Because of the way he handled it? He handles it beautifully. Mm. Uh, I remember talking to my dad, and he remembers Reagan getting on TV and apologizing to the American country, American people. And that's what he remembers of Reagan. When you ask him about Clinton, on the other hand, he holds a deep-seated uh, issue with Clinton because he lied to the American people and then right. didn't cover it, it up. Come clean. And then wouldn't come clean with it. Um, so that's the difference between Clinton and Reagan, both very charming and charismatic yeah, leaders right. um, and both have their fans and detractors mm-hmm. but at least for my dad that's the big difference there is if you, <laughs> you mess heard up it here first if you mess up say on television that you're sorry and you know, <laughs> um, that's what you're supposed to do as a leader so, it's hard to imagine yeah. that in today's political climate it is especially hard to picture people apologizing can you imagine president trump getting on tv and saying yeah i messed up i cannot um the first oh speaking of uh connections there apparently ronald reagan's uh slogan you know what his slogan was i don't make america great again he used that slogan yeah i don't know if this is the exact wording but Mm -hmm. it is very much great and america and again in there (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and uh that is that's starts with reagan isn't that funny and you were just you were just talking about people from the baby boomer generation kind of coming of age during that time yeah um, but yeah, he uses he, he uses that. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, medical history: first triple organ transplant is performed by Doctor Mrs. Davina Thompson. That happens. So in, another in victory the... for a woman. Yeah. Quite a few advancements with a woman on the Supreme Court and a in woman space, astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen eighty-seven, uh, disposable contact lenses are first sold. The Simpsons make very their debut. If you don't wear glasses. The Simpsons make their debut. Uh, also um, very important. Did you know that, that The Simpsons were actually a uh, a bit part of a larger show? I think I knew that at one point, but I don't know any details about it. Uh, so the Tracy Ullman show apparently was oh, a, yeah. a skit, kind mm-hmm. of a skit-based show. Mm-hmm. So and they had animated seg- segments. They had animated sections, something like in the in the vein of SNL type deal. Right. Yeah. I, I watched a clip on YouTube. It's uh, one with uh, Tim Curry. He plays a rock nice. star. It's pretty adult in, uh, in content. Uh, anyway, um, Margaret Thatcher is elected as the British Prime Minister for the third time. Yeah, so it's interesting that we have her and Reagan at the same time. Yeah. Sort of parallel there. It is It is an interesting. And she will eventually go on to say about Gorbachev that he is a man that we can do business with. She very famously says that. Um, the Iron Lady. About, about Gorbachev. So you can see it's very interesting to see these very conservative individuals being leaders at the at the end of the Cold War too. Uh, I don't know if that's juxtaposition or that's an interesting look. At yeah, it. I don't know. The Fox Television Network begins operation. Construction begins on the Channel Tunnel between, of course, the UK and the continent. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1987. 
a big uh, historical event. Hist- history changing event. There you go. 1988, the Soviet Union withdraws troops from Afghanistan, which uh, which essentially was their Vietnam. It was just right. Like they kept sinking money and troops into it and just yeah. wouldn't go away. It's been that way for most people who went to Af- Afghanistan. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of our entry port into Afghanistan. Um, during, after after 9-11, uh, we, of course, send troops to there. Yeah. And uh, we were like, we're not the Russians was kind of our slogan yeah. uh, there. And they didn't like the Russians at all. Yeah. <laughs> While we were there, so uh, didn't the the Russians when the Russians pulled out? Didn't that kind of open the door for Taliban, or did Taliban come much later? You know, I'm not really up on my my uh, Afghanistan history. It's kind of tricky because there's a lot of different political factions, and I, it's all very intertied. With I think religion. what happened is that the war with Russia really kind of just drains everything out of Afghanistan. Right, yeah. And so when they pull out, there's this vacuum of power, mm. and the Taliban will come into power. And I'm piecing that together based off of news clips and sure, yeah. movies that I've watched. So take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> uh, George H.W. Bush is elected as the U.S. president after defeating Michael Dukakis in 1988. Oh, yeah, Dukakis. Two years after the Challenger disaster, NASA's space shuttle program will resume. This is 1988. The site of the original Globe Theater is discovered by archaeologists in London. Hey. And the Iran-Iraq War ends. That is a war that had been going on for for quite a few years there in the 80s. Yeah. Um, And that's another thing in the Middle East that we kind of see the end result in the 21st century. But that's kind of where you see Iraq draining and and really kind of our... uh, One of the things that you see our relationship with Iran sour and Iraq draining as 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 a nation. Of course, Saddam Hussein is still in power at that point, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1989, Germans begin demolishing the Berlin Wall. So, that famous speech, Mr. Mm-hmm. Gorbachev bringing down this wall or pulling down this wall or yeah, something. Yeah, I may have heard that in this episode. Uh, Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev and the U.S. President George H.W. Bush declare the Cold War over in 1989. Uh, pro-democracy protests take place at Tiananmen Square in China. So, if the Berlin Wall is coming down. Mm-hmm. So they might They're be hoping to, hoping to do some stuff in China too. Yeah, bring down some communism there. Um, Didn't work out. The Exxon Valdez oil tanker spills 240,000 oh, yeah. barrels of oil in Prince William Sound, Alaska. Huge. Uh, huge huge natural uh, disaster. Yeah. Yeah. The Nintendo Game Boy portable video game system is released in 1989. Did you have a, a Game Boy? I did not. Uh, I borrowed some from friends. But, yeah. uh, so remember when I told you to remember 1980 Pac-Man? Yep. Got it right up here. In like, what, nine years? That is what video game technology was doing. Right. Pac- from, from Pac-Man. A cabinet game that you would play hand- at a restaurant. To a handheld game, which was actually right. not much bigger than the cell phone that I'm holding up right now. So there was a whole industry that sprung up of arcade games. Mm-hmm. Like you could go to an arcade yeah. and play games, kind of like you would uh, a Nickelodeon in previous times or, uh, you know. I don't know if we even have a, a, a similarity today. I mean, we still have arcades, but uh, they're not like not they quite used the to same. be in the 80s. Yeah, but it was yeah. this whole industry that sprang up. And then by the end of the 80s, they're starting to go into decline already. Yep. It's interesting. Amazing how fast that happened. <laughs> yeah. I think it's in the late 70s, maybe the early 80s, that, uh, forget the name of the 
the fella, but he wrote a book called Future Shock, which is kind of this theory that technology can develop so fast that it actually kind of creates this kind of whiplash hmm. in people. Interesting. Interesting is this theory. Non-fiction? We'll have to check it out. No, it's nonfiction. I might have to check that out and, and, and some, see that one. Some theories from that era. Uh, NASA launches the Galileo spacecraft. Oh, okay. And then the World Wide Web, www, is first launched in the public domain by CERN scientist Tim Berners-Lee. Yes. So 1989, uh, you see the, the internet as we kind of know it today. Right. Um, so... There you have the 1980s. There we have it, the 80s. Pushing technology forward. A lot of uh, philosophical issues being debated here. Mm -hmm. uh, the book I was reading about the, the decade really kind of sees it as a time of hypocrisy. A time where greed is good, to put mm -hmm. it in a word. Right. <laughs> um, actually, I think someone actually said that in a, in a, in a speech at, uh, at an actual college. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, it was kind of rewritten a little bit for a certain movie sure um but you have the yuppies going on here right serious drug addictions going on here because uh you have you have cocaine the people are talking about the the higher class they were living for the moment they, they yeah they get the next thrill so they're in cocaine but then on the other side their poverty was on the rise as well in certain circumstances Right. Um, and so they're getting crack, which was a new drug on the, on the side. Yes. The scene. It changed the scene very much. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question about uh, nuclear weapons reduction. Yes, that happened because Reagan and Gorbachev kind of hit it off a little does bit. Does that happen in the 80s? It does. Uh, Reagan and Gorbachev will meet. Um, and there's some, of course, they're not besties necessarily, but there is a lot of uh, push for back and forth to, uh, yeah. negotiations. Um, Reagan was very much... Uh, committed to a, uh, I think it was called SDI, also the media called it Star Wars. Yes. Uh, he was very, very dedicated to that idea that technology could protect us from nuclear weapons. Uh-huh. Um, kind of uh, confused during negotiations because Reagan wanted that, uh, Reagan was very dedicated to this idea of SDI or Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And uh, we kind of confused Gorbachev because he was kind of like, if we give up your nu our nuclear weapons, why do you need SDI? Right. <laughs> um, eventually, Gorbachev kind of came to the conclusion that like this is never going to get off the ground. This right. this this, yeah. this Star Wars thing. So he said, okay, you can keep it. I think there was a notion too. Well, Chernobyl and Three Mile Island before that definitely uh, influenced public opinion towards uh, negative negativity towards nuclear power. And nuclear weapons. Yeah, there was a report. Uh, I forget what year it comes out, but basically there has been there were rumors that you could actually kind of hold out against nuclear attack if you built deep enough and covered yourself up with enough dirt. You could have like these shelters, right? Um, and then, and scientists kind of came out and said, you know what? If you had a nuclear war, it would cause so much dust to be put into the atmosphere that it would block out the sun for a year. Yeah, which would kill everything on Earth. Right. If it wasn't for the nuclear attack, it kill you. It would be the nuclear winter afterwards. Yeah. And so that kind of that's one of the big things that kind of say, you know what, this is this is not going to yeah. end well if we keep doing this. Yeah, we're shooting uh, lasers up into space. There's just no good end to this scenario. <laughs> so 
Yeah, so... But it's interesting, the parallels between Trump and Reagan, again, with uh, Trump's Space Force Yeah, that he's come out with. It seems like his kind of Star Wars project, yeah. in a way. I was, as I was reading this, this thing, there are a few... Th- few similarities there kind mm-hmm. of um from their slogans to their reliance on the moral right mm-hmm. um i know I'm although i don't think anybody would call trump a great communicator no even some of his staunchest supporters i think uh, yeah yeah especially on his twitter account i think uh, you just need to take that away um he definitely succeeded in in tapping into some outrage which i think that, Reagan might have in some ways I think too. That same that same base in the eighties and in and today where we kind of just want a simpler time. Mm-hmm. Um and that simpler time often gets associated with you know low taxes and uh not nearly as much maybe not as nearly as much for minor rights for minorities. Right. Uh more wealthier time. I was talking to a guy at work uh, just yesterday, and he referred to the 1950s, 40s, and 50s as America's golden age, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of an interesting tell. Yeah. Um, just kind of where we're at politically in this country. Yeah. Despite uh, all the hard times that we came out of in the 40s and 50s, yeah. there was a lot going on there. Uh, partially, probably is economics. Yeah. I would say definitely economic because the 1950s hugely successful economically in the United right, States. Right. Um, in the 1980s, we come out of a, a pretty sour uh, stagflation, pretty sour uh, yeah. depression. Maybe not depression, but it's, is there a particular economic, economic event that uh, leads to the the change? No, um, but economics do play a serious part in Reagan's uh, campaign. He says it, uh, it's it's. Bloated, uh, bloated government is bad, bad management. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, he endorses something that uh, folks have called Reagan Reaganomics, uh, or, or trickle down economics, as it earlier was called. Uh, the idea is that the rich would get tax breaks, and that money's mm-hmm. going to trickle down to the lower layers of the stratification. Um, critics of that say, no, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Which you give the rich a break, and they just keep the money. Yeah. Which is the Even author, theoretically, the rich are supposed to the spend the, the money and give it to smaller businesses. Right, right. So it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Right. And that was one of the big, uh, it's the big controversy over Reagan's administration. Is right. those is that economic system? Um, but it it works for the short term in the eighties because the eighties are pretty successful mm-hmm. uh, as far as the economics go. Yeah, compared to the seventies. Compared to for certain, certainly compared to the seventies. Um, Quest for Identity is the book I was reading mm-hmm. about this. He's very critical of Reaganomics, and he he puts forward that the the lower income families, and particularly single single parents, right. um, minorities, they get really the short end of the stick in a lot. Of Reagan things. definitely uh, was perceived as anti, uh, trying to be politically neutral when talking about <laughs> politics, which is difficult. It is difficult. <laughs> um, um, it was perceived as being kind of anti-family by those, or anti-single mom family and anti-welfare, right. because he did come out and say welfare. Yeah, he actually cuts funding to a lot of these yeah. kind of welfare programs. Welfare high rollers, he calls them, I think, at one point. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I haven't heard that that one. But you're probably right, because he has these, he's these quips, he had these right. quotes 
he was very much the TV's president. Right, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting kind of to look back. I don't know. Usually you kind of see presidents come and go, but every once in a while a decade will be that president. I think the 80s yeah. are Reagan. Just like yeah. the, the, the 50s were Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the 40s would be uh, Roosevelt, FDR, yeah. Um, but the 1980s are definitely very connected to Reagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting time. It is an interesting time. Well, yeah. let us know uh, what you remember about the 80s if you were alive in the 80s, like Chris. Um, Barely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember about the 80s, Chris? What I remember about the 80s? i tell you what. Um... Nothing. <laughs> uh, Your earliest memory is in the in, in the nineties. I remember jets flying over our house from the various bases. Of course, that was when Desert Storm was going on, and that's in the early nineties. Oh, right. yeah. mm-hmm. I remember some cartoons, mm-hmm. which were like early nineties shows. I found out later, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really know what the year was. Actually, it's kind of the first uh, pre- the first change. I would have in ninety three is when Clinton is elected, and uh, I would have been about six years old. I don't remember. I don't remember anyone else being president but Bill Clinton, and, right. and then I remember Bob Dole running against him, right. which kind of first time I came to mind. I was like, "Wow, we could get a new president." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I remember, uh, of course, the 2000 election. So, right. You remember Y2K? Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember being scared to death of Y2K. <laughs> yeah. Another time in history when we were hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> Very strange. But yeah, send us your 80s memories if you have any. And if not, send us your thoughts about uh, Silverado and the Western in the 80s. Why don't you think there were more Westerns in the 80s? Why weren't there more Western blockbusters in the blockbuster era? That's a good question. I know there were some attempts at it. Tell us on Twitter. At Popstorian is the handle. Uh, Send us an email, popstorian at gmail.com. Should we tell them what our next film is? Ooh, what is our next film, Chris? We're doing the 90s. During the 90s? Are we going to keep it with our, what we had talked about during? I think we are. It would be Tombstone? Tombstone it is. Tombstone. So another Wyatt Earp adventure. Yes. Kind of a renaissance in the 90s. A lot more Western films kind of enter into the mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely a different like, feel uh, to them. Lawrence Kasdan continues making Westerns. In the 90s, he makes uh, Wyatt Earp opposite Tombstone. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin Costner, of course, has a breakthrough Western in the 90s. So lots coming. Lots to talk about. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, like, share with your friends, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pobstorian podcast. Be sure to subscribe. You can find us online at popstorian.com or on Facebook and Twitter. Tune in next time for more of the history of popular culture.